welcome to the season finale of the Advent Calendar House, brought to you today by the number 40. That's the number of years it's been since the debut of today's topic, 1978's Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. I'm sometimes food enthusiast with a taste for rotary phones, Mike Westfall, and join me again (laughs) are this podcast's power couple whose relationship has already lasted longer than Maria and David's. It's Aaron Aaron Evans and Joey O. Welcome back, y'all. Wow. (laughs) I'm so excited I'm flailing like a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this one, I think think was actually a suggestion by you, Aaron. So actually, I watched it many times. <laughs> Tell me what kind of history you have watching this. Well, um, I, don't, I watched a lot of Sesame Street. I watched Sesame Street, you know, well past the appropriate age. Yep. <laughs> and um, I basically kept watching whatever it was that I had on tape. Um, same thing for mannequins, same thing for Police Academy 4, you know, whatever I had on tape, I would just watch and watch and watch and watch. And this was one of those things. And, um, I, I don't know. I I liked it enough where one year I decided I would try to sign language along with the song. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 you know, low-key been interested in sign language because of Sesame Street. But, yeah, I, at one point I had it. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> I got as far as the alphabet. Oh, I can do the alphabet. Yeah. Uh, and I can still nail that one. Um, it was a combination <laughs> of that. And then my dad worked for what is now Verizon. But uh, once upon a time was Bell of Pennsylvania, at least his part of it. So he did a lot of uh, telecommunications and stuff like that, and sign language was part of what he did. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. Joey, how about you? Man, I hadn't seen this in like 30 years until uh, Aaron got the DVD for Christmas like two years ago. Uh, Yeah, a few years ago. And we watched last year, and like I remembered – bits of it. I mean, I've seen other people post, you know, Cookie Monster eating the telephone and the typewriter and all that. I remembered the the gift of the Magi story with Bert and Ernie, and I remembered them skating, but a lot of it I hadn't seen definitely since I was like eight or seven. It's like one of those Christmas specials. It's wonderful, but it's one that I wouldn't like keep watching every year as I got older. Yeah, I definitely have not watched this every year, but every so often it, it comes out and then my mother a couple of years ago sent down a bunch of DVDs of the stuff tape um, ripped off of the big VHS tape. Oh, Christmas specials that we had <laughs> for so, so long. This one holds a special place in my heart because it is the first Christmas special I ever remember watching. Uh, and my memory of rewatching it has a very specific catch to it because <laughs> Sesame Street was up until recently a PBS exclusive program. Yes. The airing of this special we taped off the TV was interrupted in the middle by a very long holiday telethon by Philadelphia's <laughs> WHYY. So every time I would watch it thereafter, we'd have to fast forward through this long <laughs> telethon. I'd estimate this break may have lasted 15 to 20 minutes, but it felt like hours as a tiny kid. Yeah, it, it pretty much made every 
you know, normally half hour or hour show seemed about twice as long. I do not remember his name, but I'm sure if I saw whoever was running that telethon, it would like just jar my memory entirely. Whoever was like the main uh, channel 12 HYY. He had like a, like a sandy reddish color hair and a mustache. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And because it was the early eighties, he had the same color sweater. Yes. (laughs) Like I can picture him and I can hear him in my head, but I do not know the man's name. You have one unheard message. First unheard message. It's Ed Cunningham, y'all. End of message. To delete this message, press 7. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the DVD copy from my mom cut this out, except for maybe the first two seconds of a woman starting to say, Kids, could you call your parents into the room? <laughs> Hi, we'd just like a few brief moments of your time, and we're speaking on a universal scale when we say the words few and brief, but... <laughs> So your mom was trying to do you a favor by cutting it out now that you see it as an adult, but really you actually want to see it now as an adult. Right. <laughs> see, and that's why becoming an adult is weird, kids. <laughs> WHYY for the unfamiliar is the PBS station for the greater Philadelphia region where I grew up and, and Joey and Aaron still live in that area. Uh, though it's actually licensed to nearby Wilmington, Delaware. Hi. I'm in Delaware. <laughs> The most famous show, I think, produced by WHYY is the first few seasons of Double Dare. Before Nickelodeon Studios opened in Orlando, and I'm still a bit bitter that I closed just a few years before I moved out. (laughs) I'm skating way off topic here, and speaking of skating, skating, that's how Christmas Eve on Sesame Street opens. We see the cast ice skating at an indoor rink along with a few Muppets on ice. But aside from Big Bird, the Muppet skaters never actually appear on camera with the humans like they're fooling anyone. Because <laughs> even at, I think, five years old when I first saw this, I was no dummy. I knew something was off here. There's some large Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> large Muppets completely self-contained in the ice. They're talking, but their mouths aren't moving. Yes. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of like the characters you meet down this way, but... <laughs> Big Bird, however, looks the closest to the genuine article as he tries to skate but stumbles a bit to the tune of a very slow, bumbling rendition of Feliz Navidad, which picks up as a young girl takes his hands and helps him get the hang of it. But this part felt so long as a kid, like not tell us <laughs> long. But it does segue into the real Feliz Navidad, yes. though, and then back into the instrumental. Yes. That's my first experience with Feliz Navidad. It must be mine, too, now that I think about it. Good point. Long yeah. before Charo. Yes, long before Charo. Gucci, Gucci, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so Joey was an infant when this aired, or, or when it was made, and I was, you know, two years from being born. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the stuff I enjoy in this segment, one, the Count has those giant bat wings instead of his normal cape. Yes! I have a note on this, too, and I need to scroll (laughs) down to it now. Have have you ever seen him with giant bat wings instead of... I remember his cape when he, like, holds it to be more bat-like. It it sort of has the scallops on the bottom sometimes. No, but here's the... Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. It looked more like a kite than anything. (laughs) Yeah, but here's the thing. He's wearing that cape underneath these large 
black <laughs> wings. Yes. It rules, and I want a pair, but only for ice skating. <laughs> only for ice skating. One pair of bat wings. <laughs> uh, another strange side effect of having all these visual gags on the ice is at one point Bert's shoe comes off and the others are playing hockey with it and Bert has an ice skate on his sock. Yes. <laughs> Not on the shoe, just the sock. So. Just the sock. I thought it was his actual foot, actually, at first. No, it's too fuzzy to be his actual foot. He's not fuzzy. Muppet well, skin is fuzzy. Yeah, I mean, he's salty. He's not fuzzy. It was, it was kind of orange instead of Bert's natural yeah. yellow color. Yeah. So it's Bert, the Count, Ernie, and Cookie Monster for the most part. They jump on some barrels. Well, Bert jumps some barrels. Everybody else kind of plays along with it. The Count just skates by and counts the barrels, as he does, and Ernie... Lifts one leg over the barrels. Cookie Monster dives head first. Out of it. But a rare victory for Bert. <laughs> Yay, Bert. Uh, but the most disturbing part about about the Muppets on Ice, and I imagine, I never saw Muppets on Ice, but I imagine it, it, it's basically probably the same visual. Yeah. I would imagine if you went to see, like, um, ice capades with the Muppets or something. I'm sure. Um but it, their their legs, it, it just looks like um, it looks like like a wind sock with like <laughs> with like a stick on the inside. They're not solid legs. It's just fabric, and it's just wildly moving around. It makes it look like their legs are broken. It is because well, they have to try and keep those Muppet proportions. Which <laughs> if you grow a Muppet to Six feet tall. <laughs> Gonna look a bit weird, but speaking of legs, that's another visual gag we see uh, Ernie tricking Bert with a pair of fake legs sitting on a giant out-of-control basket on the ice. That needed a lot of setup from Ernie, too. It yeah. really did. <laughs> Where did Ernie get a spare pair of legs? They're hanging out in the back. How did he just bring it on? Where did that barrel come from? <laughs> So many questions. It's Ernie. He plans these things well far in advance. <laughs> and then Cookie Monster has the brilliant idea of playing Snap the Whip. <laughs> the whip as I know it, but that ends with Oscar in his trash can with legs form. That's always weird. Yeah. Can we talk about Oscar's trash can for a bit? We talked about this while we were we watching did. it. Yeah. Okay. So... Okay, so if he's not on his stoop, mm -hmm. his trash can is just a cylinder. Right, right. With no bottom, and his legs just, like, flop out. Mm -hmm. But you never see him with his head out and his legs out at the same time. And, and also, it makes me think that maybe, um, maybe he's got, like, catacombs underneath that stoop. And 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 that's just like the lid. It's like the door of his house. Oh, so that so if you move the can, it's just a gaping hole with tunnels. <laughs> but that's that's my theory. <laughs> that actually makes sense. I was going the whole bigger on the inside Doctor Who route because <laughs> several times in this episode we see his feet coming out the bottom of it. But in other episodes of Sesame Street, it's treated as just very spacious inside. So I'm thinking it's. It's like that bigger on the inside concept where it's yeah, got I mean, either way works. And here's my know. elephant, Fluffy, who lives in my trash can. <laughs> he refers to it as his trash can, but 
Yes. <laughs> no catacombs. But yeah, you know, perfect. use your imagination. There you go. That's what Sesame Street's all about. There it is. <laughs> Oscar and his trash can get flung from the whip down several flights of stairs and through <laughs> very solid-looking walls. When it lands, it actually looks a little flattened. Yeah, it does. Like, <laughs> like, like it's not perfectly cylindrical anymore. <laughs> they must bang it out between that point and the song that's about to come up. But first, we have Big Bird and her friend Patty, uh, whom we never see again after this special, <laughs> ask if Oscar's okay, and he replies, All right, let's go back and do it again. <laughs> but interesting fact, apparently in the original line when they were taping this was sure I've been thrown out of better places than that wow. <laughs> but apparently the producers thought that joke was a little too grown up you know what Oscars has a lot of really inappropriate and like shockingly so things we'll get to that when we get yeah, to the song I, I know yes. that I'm just, I'm just saying Oscars Oscars is a grouch I know but you know for Sesame Street that's a little blue yeah, well, we're still in, I think this is season 10 when this airs. So we're on season 50 as we record this. So, but it's here that Big Bird gets excited about what's to come that night, Santa Claus. And here is where our main conflict gets moving. Do you know how big the inside of a chimney is? Well, about this big. That's how big. So how's a guy like Santa Claus who's built like a dump truck, how's he gonna come down all those skinny little chimneys, huh? Well, uh, he holds his breath, like this. <gasps> That's like trying to get a basketball into a ginger ale bottle. <sighs> oh, well, then he comes in the window. Window's locked. And the door? Door's locked. Uh, well, the old incinerator shaft, Or then. the back door. No, it's the chimney or nothing. <sighs> Gee. I don't know how Santa gets in. Well, if I was you, I'd find out. Because if he doesn't get in, there's going to be a lot of empty stockings around town tomorrow morning. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And that leads us into the first and perhaps most fondly remembered original song of this special, True Blue Miracle. Kicked off by the angelic singing voice of Olivia. I believe in miracles, and I can tell you why. Once a year, the street I live on sparkles like the sky. Gordon's sister, I miss Olivia. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of awkward. I'm like, I know that woman. Why can't I remember her name? I did remember her name right away. <laughs> I did right away because she has the best singing voice on the show in a walk. She does. She does. Played by the late Elena Reed, who'd go on to star in 227. Oh. And marry a co-star on that show, Kevin Peter Hall, an exceptionally yeah. tall gentleman who also played the Predator. Yes, I know. I know that. That's why I'm like, ooh. And Harry of And the Hendersons fame. <laughs> what? Yes. Olivia wow. from Sesame Street was married to Harry of Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> it was very brief. Unfortunately, he, he died very early. Yeah, he, he didn't make it too far. Yeah, no, he, he had 
had age-related pneumonia. Yes. I know that because I'm a big Predator fan. (laughs) (laughs) You love this song. I think it's really beautiful. Um, um, Our our friend Andre wrote about it last year. I'm like, oh yeah, let's watch Chris. Um, Well, yeah, he just mentioned it and, and, you know, in a post, it, it wasn't like you know, like I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna write an essay about this song. You know, he just mentioned how how lovely it was, and he like put up a link to the song or something last year, and that made me like, Joey, let's watch Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. So, yeah, I gotta go find his tree. I gotta get Andre on this show, man. Yeah, I'm sure, Sorry, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's always next season. So something else about this scene. This is when they're riding the subway. And this is also like 70 Sesame Street was better about it being like like New York, like it was, you know, gritty New York, not gritty, the, you know, the icon of anti-fascism <laughs> and hockey. But, you know, it, it looked like, OK, great. Look, look at all this diverse group of people riding the subway car together. And and, you know, like, OK, well, that's not the nicest looking platform I've ever seen. And and OK, yeah, that pole looks appropriately grungy. You know, but but also not, you know, filthy. So it's still like a kid's show representation because representation matters that I can imagine was revolutionary. It does. And that's I mean, that's the whole reason this show exists to represent that. that mm-hmm. group. But, and now it represents green screens as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but probably the most important bit of that background that you see is we get our first clue on how to get to Sesame Street. <laughs> you go down the 89th Street platform. They clearly <laughs> get off the subway at 86th Street. So you take a train there and it's walking distance from there somehow. <laughs> That's where the tricky part comes in. But Also during the song, we've got a short cameo during the song by little remembered bit character, Mr. McIntosh, the greengrocer, who is here selling Christmas trees. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about this dude until I saw him this time selling these Christmas trees. I'm like, wait a minute. He sold fruit on like a vegetable stand on wheels. And I looked it up. It's Mr. McIntosh. (laughs) Like the apple? Yeah, like the apple. (laughs) (laughs) Like the thing I'm recording this on. And here is where we get a reminder of Maria's first romantic relationship on the show with David, who gives her a quick kiss on the subway. Oh, man. I looked him up because I barely remembered him. Did you read about the actor that played David? Northern Calloway. Yes, I actually knew. I've read about. I didn't know that until I read about him. Man, we we don't have to get into all of it, but he had had a really sad last few years of his life. Yeah, Yeah. he, he went kind of off the rails there, unfortunately. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. No. All I could say was watching was, oh, look, David. I remember David. And also, look how young Maria is. That's what I, yeah, I have a note here. It's crazy looking back 40 years ago and seeing all these actors about the same age I am now. Mm-hmm. I love it, though. I, probably <laughs> younger, to be honest. Yeah. Some of them. My late 30s. These guys are probably in their late 20s. Mm. I also noticed on a circus poster in the background on the subway was edited for copyright reasons to say Pingling Brothers and Parnum and Paley. <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by the letter P. <laughs> and that's why I have a pop filter. Uh, 
<laughs> and again, with the Count's Christmas fashion, uh, now he's got a top hat, like very Dickensian yes, of him. He's very dapper. But, but you know. He's a Count. Yeah. He's royalty. Yeah, but, but it's, it looks quite a, a bit more out of place than usual. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that's the last we see of him in this special. Aw. But it's as they get off at 86th Street that we get the Oscar cussing joke as the train goes by. Oh, yeah. Hey, Oscar, I know how Santa gets down the chimney. All he does is take that big bell of his and tie it real tight around his waist, and it makes him so skinny he fits right down the chimney. You are, without a doubt, the stupidest. bird i ever met yeah i remember i remember trying to like read his flappy <laughs> <mouth a> little. <laughs> well if you try to listen really carefully you actually hear carol spinning on and like he yeah. reverts to charlie brown trombone sounds <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean Os- oscar oscar had a mouth we can only imagine that he had a mouth you know He's probably saying, you know, you're the fluffiest, softest, nicest bird I've ever met. <laughs> Maybe that's why Big Bird just reacts with an eye roll and moves on with his life. <laughs> the other line was too grown up, but this made it? Yeah, right. <laughs> but once they return to Big Bird's pad, uh, he and Patty enlist the help of Kermit the Frog to ask the how Santa does it. Because Kermit's just hanging out inside Big Bird's little nook there. I mean, frogs routinely hang out on, like, oil barrels and bird nests. He's he's home from his first season of The Muppet Show, so it's nice. (laughs) I like Kermit's outfit. It looks very sharp. Way better than the one we had watched Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas for another episode, and he's wearing this kind of brown plaid jacket, suit jacket, that looks like he made it from an old couch from the 70s that I'm pretty <laughs> sure I used to own. Well, you dress for your environment, I guess. I guess he's like, you know, this jug band, I'm just going to wear this brown couch. <laughs> I mean, he's improving. It was only the year before, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I blame that. Dis- I blame my own disregard for personal space in one's home for my early childhood wanderings into my next door neighbor's garage to play with their toys. I was a jerk of a kid in hindsight, but it's all Kermit's fault, apparently. He just made himself quite at home when Big Bird wasn't even there. (laughs) Uh, But it's his suggestion. Who knows more about Santa Claus than anybody? Kids do. So he rounds up Grover and some of the other guys to help pull the neighborhood kids. Uh, in a segment that I feel like is missing from modern Sesame Street, Muppets interacting with children inside a featureless blue void. <laughs> well, that's where the green screen today comes in. I guess so. <laughs> Here they went with blue kind of gradienting into a soft pink, but it's Kermit and Grover asking some random kids how Santa Claus gets into people's houses. Do either of you have a favorite answer from this gaggle of kids? I love all of them. They're all so good and and obviously quite earnest. They're answering the question the best that they can. Um, the the one kid he he endures Grover acting out a whole skit with him. Like, oh, Billy, good for yes. You, kid. 
He pretends to be asleep and he does a great job. Brother, the back door is locked. Take the window. The window. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, but he halfway through, you can tell he's like, come on, get on with it. Yeah. Grover's trying to say, uh, the, the idea is Grover is role-playing as Santa Claus here. and Can't get down the chimney for undetermined reasons, so... <laughs> Billy has his eyes closed and is telling them, go through the back door. Yeah. <laughs> Open the window. And Grover keeps coming back and he's like, Billy, the window, it is locked. Yes. But, is, is it? Open it. <laughs> it's closed. Open it. Go through the door. Where is the door? It's open it. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I love all of those kids, especially um there's a there's a a real young um girl with like um short brown hair and she's she she's just like I can't really follow her but she sounds so excited about it. She's just gotta be no more than any done. Yes, that one's my favorite because it sounds like one or both of my own daughters. When they would try to explain something, and she's like too young for her own vocabulary. Yes. So she's got to be, to borrow from the Grinch, no more than two. But <laughs> pushes the button, then then it opens, then he gets it, then he steps on the big step, then he goes in. And even Grover kind of got lost halfway through because he's just looks at the camera, and goes, and there you have it. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in between these quiz, this quizzing of the kids, we quickly cut to our next big plot point, Bert and Ernie deciding what to get each other for Christmas. And Joey mentioned this already. It's a gift of the Magi angle. Bert wants to get Ernie a soap dish for Rubber Ducky. And Ernie very specifically decides on a cigar box for Bert's paperclip collection. You'll never guess how that develops. <laughs> he gets a he gets a cigar box for a rubber ducky instead. <laughs> my my favorite moment in this is when Ernie picks up the paper clips and he's like, "Oh, it's it's Bert's 1957 Acme paper clip because he just looks at it and knows what it is." But my favorite part of that interaction is he's like, "Oh, get him a cigar box," and then he just throws the paper clip. <laughs> yeah, that the is the best part. It's like, yep. No wonder he keeps losing stuff. You keep dropping him off on the floor. <laughs> Right before we find out how that develops, we see Linda, the deaf-mute girlfriend of Bob, whom I also miss, um, working on a surprise for him with some kids waiting for him for a singing lesson. Bob shows up and is like, oh, uh, Linda, you're early. Do you mind waiting? Maybe read a magazine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that was that was my, my problem with this, was that Bob shows up to his own home. And just expects to see a whole bunch of unattended children, but he's taken aback that Linda's there. <laughs> you know? I don't understand the agreement, the unspoken agreement of respecting boundaries and where those <laughs> lines are crossed and not crossed on this street. But <laughs> it's a safe space, which is wonderful. Just hearing Bob sing, like, nothing takes you back more than listening to Bob oh, McGrath's man. singing voice. Yes. We had a whole 33 and a third 
record of Bob singing. It's just called Bob Sings. <laughs> not, it, it's not Sesame Street songs. It's just like standard Bob stuff. Sings. Yeah. When I met Carol Spinney at a Comic-Con a few years ago, and I, I forget if I told you the other story about that, but he was, you know, his wife is basically his like handler and assistant right. in everything. And she was like, look, I have a really old record that my mom must have bought at a yard sale because it's way before I was born. It's got the orange Oscar on it. Oh. And I got that signed by him. And his wife's like, oh, look, there's Bob. I mean, Bob's still with us, but still, it was just like really still sweet. still on the show. I read about that. I think they did something like the last couple of years where a couple of the original old school cast members were kind of phased out. And there was an outcry, so like Bob still works for the show, like as more like personal appearances and actually doing episodes. Okay, yeah, I think that's his status right now. I mean, I haven't been watching the last few years lately because my kids just aren't as into it as I was. But th- they they're getting back into it. I think my son likes it more than the girls do. But uh, every once in a while, you'll see Bob and Gordon and Susan on maybe one episode a season. Mm-hmm. But Bob leads our next big song, Keep Christmas With You. Keep Christmas with you all through the year. When Christmas is over, you can keep it near. And surprise, Linda's been teaching the kids how to sign the lyrics. And oh no, here come my feelings. <laughs> it's that's a really beautiful song too. Yeah, it's a beautiful song, and with the surprise for Bob that they learned how to sign this, and his reaction to it, where they're kind of talking to each other and they're signing to each other as this kids are doing this song, it was just they nailed this scene. <laughs> oh my heart! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but next we cut to Hooper's store and. Oh, man, is it good to see Mr. Hooper again. Yeah. So actor Will Lee died in 1982, and that was one of many, many groundbreaking episodes dealing with his death, not by hiding it, but actually talking about it on TV. That was a huge deal. And mm-hmm. one of the things that made Sesame Street so iconic in not talking down to kids. So many shows on today talk down to kids. So Ernie very reluctantly insists on trading his own rubber ducky to get Bert that empty cigar box, followed by Bert doing the same with his paperclip collection for the soap dish. And Mr. Hooper realizes what's up and makes it a point to ask both of them, are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) And I will say Frank Oz's Bert talking about his paperclips. And I assume ad-libbing a great deal is just a very <laughs> specific, unique joy. Ta-da! Huh? Huh? This is the finest paperclip collection in the Western world. Isn't that a beauty? Now, now look, 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 look. See there? There is my, my jumbo gem right in the middle. Isn't that a beauty? And, and over there, right, right by your hand there, that is a chrome-plated one I got at a paperclip manufacturer's convention. It's uh, very impressive. Oh, it's wonderful. And they're all so, so individual. Bert is so caring and so careful and so, you know, like, like can, I, can I visit the... N- never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he loves each paperclip like a child. Yeah. Yes. But he loves Ernie more. Aw. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
And that's our B plot, and we've already seen our A plot, and so now here comes the special C plot, and C, as you know, is for Cookie. <laughs> that's good enough for me. <laughs> While all this is going on, Cookie Monster tries to write a letter to Santa. Where is he here? He's at a desk with some lockers behind him. Is that a post office? That has got to be a locker room. Right. I, maybe he's back at the ice skating rink. I think that's what I said when we were watching it. Maybe. Did we flash back? Because he went home with everyone else. Oh, he needed to find a quiet place to write there and think. Go. Maybe he lives at the YMCA. Oh, could be. We never actually... Yeah. I don't know Cookie's living situation. It's been too long. <laughs> but that is, that is clearly... I'm like... Wait, there are lockers? That looks like stalls behind him? He's in a locker room. Yeah. But as he talks himself about the many different kinds of cookies he would like, he gets hungry and hungrier and ends up eating the pencil that he's using to write. Then he realizes, where pencil? Let's see. Uh, Two dozen coconut macaroons. No, 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 no. No. Maybe pound and a half of delicious... Figgy Newtons! Oh, me, me getting so hungry. Oh, mm, 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 mm. Me love cookies. Yeah. Oatmeal cookies. Me ask for three dozen. What the hey? Four dozen oatmeal cookies. Oh, me love oatmeal cookies. Mm. He finishes a letter with the typewriter, and then the same thing happens, and he ends up eating both the entire typewriter and the paper. <laughs> because it reminded him of fortune cookies. Yes. With delicious like, paper, up. he said. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, fortune cookies with delicious paper. I'm not sure you know how the fortune cookie works. <laughs> and finally, he tries to call Santa, but he ends of the receiver. He uses like an old rotary phone because it's 1978. And the ends of the receiver remind him of chocolate and he swallows the whole phone and you can hear santa (laughs) in the in the phone in his stomach This is the fact that Cookie's actually eating these things. He's not just crumbling them up and throwing them out of his mouth. <laughs> like, they're actually going through his gullet somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere between then and now, they thought they were streamlining the, the whole cookie-eating process, but... <laughs> I don't know. Now I need to go back and watch that Don't Eat the Picture special where they all get locked in the Met. <laughs> See if the same thing happens. Because I think he eats an entire hot dog stand on that one. But back to Big Bird and Patty, who decide it's time to use science to figure out the Santa Claus chimney mystery, and who better to stand in for Santa than Mr. Snuffleupagus in an extra-large Santa hat? Mm-hmm. Poor Snuffy. Two big things I noticed here. First... This is still early enough in Sesame Street history that Snuffy is voiced by Jerry Nelson instead of Martin Robinson. And two, this is about seven or so years before Snuffy was revealed to not be an imaginary friend of Big Bird's. Mm-hmm. And yet Patty's right here and acknowledges him. Well, I mean, you know, it's 
it's sort of like um like like the Polar Express. Once you reach a certain age, you don't believe anymore. But she's she's young enough, and I guess I guess Snuffy's her imaginary friend too. There you go. I do remember kids at one point interacting with him before the adults had met him, but I don't know how far back that goes. Or it's like bean juice. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Lydia sees the ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, it's since been established that Snuffy is the real deal. So they run a highly scientific experiment involving Snuffy cramming all four of his feet into an oil barrel because <laughs> maybe he's with his reindeer. They need to go down <laughs> the chimney too for some reason, but uh, which is a success. But that leaves the question: Now, how does Santa and in turn Snuffy get out? Which is never answered. No, they cut immediately to another scene, but after watching it this time, I do enjoy the mental image of multiple crew members just having to carefully extract Snuffy's feet from the <laughs> tiny barrel. But that brings us back out on the main street, starting with a quick exchange in which Bob wishes Mr. Hooper happy Hanukkah with a wink. Oh, Mr. Hooper? Yes. Happy Hanukkah? Thank you, Bob. And a Merry Christmas to you. Which doesn't seem like much now, but 40 years ago it might have been. But bonus points for accuracy as well. The first night of Hanukkah in 1978 was, in fact, on December 24th. Whoa! Well, I mean, they want to make sure they have their facts right. Yeah. (laughs) And that's pretty big considering what Mr. Hooper's about to do in a little bit. But for now, he wishes Bob a Merry Christmas. But Oscar's had enough of it and belts into his own song, I Hate Christmas. Beaming faces everywhere, happiness is in the air, I'm telling you it isn't fair. I hate Christmas, people loaded with goodwill, giving presents, what a thrill, that sloshy nonsense makes me ill. I hate Christmas. <laughs> this is wonderful, it's a, it's a total showstopper. Yes. <laughs> He, as he goes around causing mischief and mayhem, do either of you have a favorite bit of chaos Oscar unleashes here? I just love how happy he is. <laughs> oh, but Aaron, this is where we have to come back around to Oscar working a little blue. Because this is what you kept, you kept getting really hung up on this when we were watching it. Like, he's, he's doing things that might actually hurt people. And, and um, yeah, he, like, he tries to trip some people and... And he like dumps snow all over Maria and her friends, and 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 he he vandalizes Mr. Hooper's Noel sign. Yes. And you was. know, it's the one lyric you were talking about. Here comes Santa, girls and boys. So who needs that big red noise? I'll tell him where to put his toys. I hate Christmas. And if you want the truth, I ain't so crazy about Thanksgiving or Labor Day either. So basically, hey, Santa, shove this box up your ass. So, yeah. (laughs) I mean, probably one of my favorite scenes in this whole special is that vandalizing Mr. Hooper's Noel sign, (laughs) leaving it to say no. And Mr. Hooper just pointing at it like, did you see that? (laughs) Also, he destroys a street musician's glockenspiel. And then right after that is the one where he's dumping the snow on. It's off an awning because they're all standing under the awning and he sneaks up behind it's Maria and Linda and a couple of kids and he knocks the snow off with a broom but he makes the broom dance to the beat of the song <laughs> it's, it's such a Muppety thing it's such a background Muppet thing well, like like 
the exact cadence of the broom. <laughs> well, all I can think of is, no, John, I will not sweep for you, for I am not your broom. <laughs> and it it might actually even be at the same cadence to it, to be honest. But Then we cut to Bert and Ernie's apartment for the conclusion of that gift of the Magi angle. They give each other their gifts and realize, oh no, we did the thing. (laughs) And I enjoy the sad violin music that plays as each one suddenly gets distressed at the thought of having to reveal he's traded in his beloved possession to get the other gift, a gift for Christmas. Oh, Ernie, a cigar box. Yeah. Oh, hunky dory. I got it especially for your paperclip collection, Bert. What? Well, I got the cigar box so you could keep your paperclips in it. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, well... Oh, come uh, on, Bert. Put your paper clips in there so I can see how they look. I just can't wait to see. Uh, gee, Ernie, um... Violin, Lin, Lin. <laughs> and we're back! <laughs> I was distracted by Ernie's pajamas. Yes! They were, they were very gold and geometric. And very 70s. They wouldn't Very look, of the time. They would not look out of place in that one uh, music performance by that <laughs> Russian guy. What is it? Edward Keel with his tra la 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 But I loved Bert's robe. It's a majestic robe. Yes, it's, it's like... It's very, like, deep jewel tone. It looks like it's comfy. I don't know if it's a, a, a bathrobe or a smoking jacket. I'm, I'm going with bathrobe, but it's... it's Bert wins. <laughs> his amazing Technicolor dream coat, because he's about to go to bed. <laughs> but they are surprised at a knock on the door by Mr. Hooper, who's come to save Christmas and gives them each back their traded trademark item. This is a turn from the usual Gift of the Magi story because they actually get their things back. Well, it needs a happy ending. It's Sesame Street. Yeah, uh, but Bert says, Ernie, we didn't get Mr. Hooper anything. Oh, you're right, Bert. Uh. You're wrong, boys. I got the best Christmas present ever. What, what do you mean? Yeah, you know, you know, what do you mean? Uh, I got to see hey, that everyone got exactly what they wanted for Christmas. And that's when my throat catches, when I'm like, oh, let me hold back the tears. On the first night of Hanukkah and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then they begin singing what might be one of my favorite duet performances of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas I've ever heard. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Yeah, and it's really sweet. And it's Jim Henson singing. Doesn't he sing it as Kermit in John Denver and the Muppets? It's actually Jim Henson and Frank Oz both sing it together on a Muppet Family Christmas, but as Kermit and Miss Piggy. Oh, that's where it is. Yeah. Uh, oh, you're right. Jim Henson does it as Rolf with John Denver. You're right. There. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That one is its own special performance as well but this one is just a touch sweeter than both of them. John? Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah that's the one. <laughs> He's slightly more gravelly than Bert and Ernie. <laughs> well and Rolf's the kind of 
guy where like he can't stand the sound of silence so in the middle of the song where it's just he's trying to improvise and he's just like yeah yeah that's right (laughs) 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 meanwhile it starts to snow as patty leaves big bird's nook for home trying and failing to comfort him he'll come down the chimney really he will but that's not good enough for big bird who finally comes up with his own solution for figuring out the answer and heads for somewhere. Meanwhile, inside, we cut to Gordon untying his Christmas tree bought that day, remember? (laughs) Not the first time on this podcast I've seen someone buy a tree on Christmas Eve, which seems so strange now. My mother, her parents, when she was little, um, made her and her three siblings believe that Santa not only brought the presents, he brought the tree and decorated it. Wow. That's kind of yeah. what happens here. Yeah. That's so, exactly what happens here. Exactly. So so basically, in some circles, I guess Santa brings the tree, too. Well, I guess um, this is how they used to do it. You know, Advent was Advent, and Christmas was Christmas. You couldn't do Christmas stuff until Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Can I take us on a Gordon-related side tangent? Because it's a very specific topic that I want you to discuss and see if the listeners, uh, how many of the listeners know it? Oh, let's do it. <laughs> so the original Gordon was Matt Rob. Oh, he was the second Gordon, right? Matt Robinson. No, I think Matt Robinson was the first. Okay. I, I was reading about it. I think he was like replaced like the pilot Gordon or something. Yeah, pilot Gordon, he was only like that one episode. Yeah. With orange Oscar. <laughs> So, so Matt Robinson left the show uh, before, you know, the Gordon we all know mm-hmm. and went on to work on the Cosby show for a really long time. Did a lot of those. I didn't realize his daughter is Holly Robinson Pete. Whoa, what? Yeah. I never knew that until I read about it the other night. Wow. But that's not where I'm going with this. Although that is a Philadelphia tie because, you know, yeah. Rodney Pete. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt Robinson was on a show that I don't I'm hoping you watched. Did you watch the Candy Apple News Company when you were little? I might have, and that might be something that I've been looking for forever and didn't remember what it was called. <laughs> okay, so Candy Apple News, where he was the star, and I think he was you know one of the writers and creators, was a Philadelphia base. Like I think it was only it was from here, it was from Channel Ten, I believe, it was um, local yeah, CBS back when it was WC. Yeah, WC. Mm-hmm. And it was produced here, and it, it starred in you know him, and it was him running a news station like a news like tv and newspapers maybe with a bunch of puppets and it was a philadelphia show and it ran at like six in the morning six or seven in the morning on saturday for years joey i have had this mental image in my head of this show and as i'm googling i could not figure out what it was all i could remember was that it was on super early joey is so pleased with himself right now (laughs) Was there like a talking clock or something? There was a bat that lived in a clock. Okay. And there was an episode, it might have been from, I guess, the 83 Phillies. There's an episode where they like got tickets to go to the World Series. And like the one main like puppet guy was like, I want to go to the World Series. Wow. And so I don't know how many of our listeners here are from Philadelphia and remember this show. But there's your adjacent uh, Gordon tangent I wanted to specifically bring up to you, Michael. Oh, you have just made my entire Christmas. But That's my gift to you. And, and my gift is seeing you both get what you wanted. 
and 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 candy apple news would alternate because it was this was like by 1990 80 maybe 88 87 88 it was still in reruns like years and years later they would run all of candy apple news then they would run star stuff <laughs> do you remember star stuff yeah okay they would run all of star stuff which was about the kid who could talk to the girl in the future through his tv and they showed Laurel and Hardy episodes. They run all of Star stuff, and then they go back and run all of Candy Apple News again for years. Channel Ten did that. Wow! So back to Sesame Street. I, yeah, I'm just I'm blown away. This was a very happy surprise. That I, was not <laughs> I, I just married into this. So. <laughs> okay. So Gordon is also trying to comfort Cookie Monster here after he destroyed three forms of communication <laughs> in an attempt to get in touch with Santa again on Christmas Eve. A little too late for that, friend. Uh, but to Gordon's point, Santa knows all about Cookie Monster, but he adds it might be a good idea to leave Santa something in return. So Cookie's first thought is to leave him necktie. <laughs> yes. But upon learning it's customary to leave him cookies, he's stunned with that gong playing in the background. <laughs> That's right. Well, you see, most people leave him... Uh, oh, what, what? Tell me what? Cookies. The, the same sort of, like, I'm going to stare deep into the camera look that Big Bird has been giving us most of this episode. Yes. <laughs> that brings to the door Patty who tells Gordon Big Bird is gone. And it's here we discover Big Bird's idea was to wait on the roof of the Brownstone 123 building for Santa to arrive and watch him do the chimney thing in person. This marks the first time I think I've seen a tiny chimney of a city building. Oh, okay. Like, I remember being a little shook at seeing this. A big brick chimney is one thing, but this tiny pipe, no wonder Big Bird's so distraught. <laughs> You're only seeing the bottom of the chimney in your home. (laughs) He has a friendly chat with the roof's resident pigeons, which was a nice touch. Hi, fellas. How's things up here on the roof? Say, uh, Santa Claus hasn't been here yet, has he? No. Oh, good. Are they Bert's pigeons? I think you're right. I think think that's Bernice. (laughs) While he's up there, Big Bird notices everyone hurrying around down on the ground in the accumulating snow looking for him. But, of course, it's Big Bird, so he says, ah, somebody must be lost, but I have more important things to do. Yeah, basically. So he immediately sits down and falls right asleep before he can hear everyone start calling his name. One. Two, he's out for so long, icicles form on the edge of him. <laughs> I found this very distracting for the rest of the show. Yes, because they don't go away even after he goes inside. Well, it's during their frantic search that Maria makes it a point to grab Oscar by the fur on his head, drag him up from out of his can, and berate him for getting to Big Bird. What are you doing, Maria? Oscar! I hope you're satisfied. You had to start all that stuff about Santa and tiny chimneys, and you've upset Big Bird so much he's gone. Well, I didn't know he'd do anything dumb like that. I was only teasing him. Teasing him? Yeah. Telling him that Santa is not going to bring anybody any presents because he can't get down a tiny chimney? Now you call that teasing? Well, uh, he'll come back. He's part homing pigeon. Besides, what's the big deal? He lives outdoors all the time anyway. 
Now look here, Oscar. Now, the nest is something different. That's his home. He's got an electric blanket there, and he's got heating pads, and he's around all the people that he loves. But here it is, Christmas Eve, and he's out there somewhere in this big city, and it keeps snowing, and it's getting colder, and he could be in serious trouble unless we find him. Until he agrees he is a little to blame, maybe, and puts his trash can back in walking mode to join the search. <laughs> Um, on Sesame Street been so sternly admonished before? I don't remember. But but little Mar little young Maria just like grabs his can. She's, she, she's like he's without his home. He's without his electric blankets and his heat warmers and he's alone and he's scared and he's cold and yeah and, and, and you're going to find him and it's your fault basically which I is also surprising on Sesame Street. Like, like it's not about blame, <laughs> but this is. Yeah, well, Oscar and Maria have that kind of relationship between them that lasts for the duration of her time on the show. Mm -hmm. so, all through the years. Yes. All through the years. So that's pretty standard Oscar Maria conversation happening there. Mm -hmm. uh, back up on the roof, it's at this point... Big Bird is sound asleep, and the snow's kind of piling up. His feet are gone. Okay. And then we hear the sleigh bells and the prancing and pawing of reindeer hooves. And we see Santa's super creepy shadow creep up over Big Bird before suddenly disappearing right as he wakes up. And how disappointed was I as a kid when it was just, <laughs> nope, nothing. <laughs> Yes, I remember the anticipation and the ensuing disappointment. You don't actually see Santa, which is right. rare for a, a Christmas special. No, right. you, see, you see a blobby shadow fall across Big Bird's face. <laughs> and he kind of like starts awake and then you immediately cut to Big Bird's point of view and nothing. Not even like a little twinkle of light or whatever. It's just, nope, this is the roof. Literally, he says that there aren't even any footprints in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> so Second P we call that. Yes. <laughs> uh, but now he decides, he's getting cold, so he decides to take a break down at Gordon and Susan's to warm up his frozen giblets. <laughs> and as Gordon drags him inside before he can turn around and go back up to the roof, Big Bird discovers Santa's already been there. He even took the liberty of decorating Gordon's tree. <laughs> and Cookie Monster's presents are here for some reason. <laughs> and now uh, maybe Cookie's homeless, and like wherever he happens to be is his home. It could be. It was the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> now I know the orange in the stocking is an old Saint Nicholas tradition, but of all the people to drop a hint to Cookie Monster to eat more healthily. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't be coming from Santa. <laughs> Big Bird's still upset because now he doesn't know how Santa did it. But to Gordon's point, Oscar told him if he couldn't get down the chimney, no one would get anything. And Gordon's initially very empty-looking living room is now quite full of gifts and decorations. But, but it's a miracle! How did he do it? Well, why do you want to know, Big Bird? Well, it's important, Gordon. No, Big Bird. That's not what's important. What is important is... Well, 
we lost you tonight, and we were all very, very worried about you. And now we've got you back, safe and sound. And we're all together for Christmas again. And if that isn't a true blue miracle, I don't know what one is. So I, I have a note. Patty, to her credit, was 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 very convincing. She was a very good child actress. I don't know who this person is. I don't know what became of her. But where were her parents? She did. She did mention she was going home. But never, she never goes there. Well, she did. And then she said she went back because Big Bird was acting strangely. So she kind of circled back again. And that's when Big Bird went missing. So she immediately went to Gordon because I guess, well, it's his building that Big Bird lives next to. I don't know. And then Gordon said something about calling her mom. But I mean, I don't know. I would kind of wonder where my young daughter was, like ice skating with the neighbors all day and then not coming home. And it's, it's so late that Santa's already arrived. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, it is Sesame street and it's an established place. That's magical. And there's nothing quite (laughs) like it. That was day one, but yeah. Why aren't they, why isn't everybody kind of pitching in to help search for big bird? Patty, get your parents involved. Yeah. No, no, Patty's just going to wander off and say, hey, Big Bird, by herself. (laughs) Well, she's in Gordon's arms the whole time. Because, again, it's getting late. She's getting tired. It's getting too snowy. That brings in a relieved Oscar who admits he's glad the turkey's back. (laughs) Got an important question for him. How do you think the Easter Bunny can hide all those eggs in one night? Oscar. That kind of like sets up for a sequel. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's the Easter Bunny, Marty. You probably do something about the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Happy Back to the Future Day. Oh, we got one last one in. <laughs> and that's it, really, aside from one last look at Cookie Monster, who eats the Christmas tree. Yeah. And then he burps through the credits. Oh, 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 scotch pie, delicious. Douglas fur, give me heartburn. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> According to the Muppet Wiki, in various air- re-airings on PBS in the late 1980s, the closing scene with Susan and Gordon finding that Cookie Monster ate most of the Christmas tree was cut. Yeah, I guess because he's burping through the credits. <laughs> Sometimes it can seem silly that we have so many toys and dollar store junk decorated with smiling poop emojis, but... Cookie Monster's out here 40 years ago belching over credits for a straight minute. Because Douglas Fir gives him heartburn. Yeah. (laughs) What child is going to get that anyway? (laughs) Who's Douglas and why... Why is his heart on fire? (laughs) Yeah, that's true, too. (laughs) Any final thoughts on Christmas Eve on Sesame Street or... At this point, anything else holiday-related, for that matter? Uh, I think over the last 24 episodes of this podcast, I think you have definitely proven that you keep Christmas with yourself all through the year. All through the year. All through the month. That was supposed to be serious. Yes, all through the year. That's that's me 
being loving, but also eye rolling. <laughs> I was being sincere. Yes. You were. It's you all do. sincere for me. Everyone yes. listening only has to deal with it for 24 days. You're welcome, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> but no, I think this was a Herculean task, my friend, and you did an amazing job and went above and beyond and even further to infinity and beyond. <laughs> though I don't think you did the uh, the Toy Story Christmas special. No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> not yet. The night is young. Yeah. No, the night is not young. Santa will be here soon. Santa's already been. <laughs> he decorated the tree and everything. Yeah. Well, thank you both for coming back on again and for helping me get through this whole dang season without resorting to talking to myself. Yay! You're welcome. Thanks for doing this. this so nice. And on that note, if people want to whip crack your trash can down several flights of stairs, where can they find you on the internet? Aaron. Um, Twitter, MS Aaron M. Evans. And Joey. That sounded dirty, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm on Twitter at I'm gonna DJ24, and you can hear me on Why Not Radio at whynotradio.net and uh, this, uh, the 26th, 27th, 28th, we're going to have our year-end countdown, the top 218 songs of 2018. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't miss that. And you can find show notes for this episode and the rest of this entire podcast on the web at adventcalendar.house and get in touch with me on Twitter at adventcalhouse. And that's a wrap! Thanks to all of you for sticking with me over these 24 days. For now, careful of the icy patch. I'm going to go take a nap on the roof. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Season 2 of the Advent Calendar House. This was a really fun Really stressful, but really heartwarming year thanks to this show and everyone who listened to it and was a part of it. Big thank you to Joey and Aaron, as well as all of my guests this season. Michael May, Michael Giovanni, Liz Twatman, Sarah Shea, Brandon Bentley, Paxton Holly, Jeff Sumaji, Emily Rowley, Bill Hanstock, Carlin Trammell, John Dedeke, Drew Crowley, Chad Young, Lindy Kempe, Jay Ryan, Tom Coombs, Joey Letson, Sean Robert, and Jonathan Zelenak. I couldn't have gotten anywhere near being able to do this without you. So thank you. Thank you to my wife for letting me kick her out of the bedroom three to five times a month so I can Skype with my friends on the internet about holiday specials. Thank you to my parents for taping everything. And if I was able to bring you a little bit of joy this December or whenever you happen to be listening to this, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you to Brian and Tom for starting a Christmas podcast network and actually wanting me in their cool kids club. If you can't get enough of Christmas podcasts and you want them to last the whole year through, check out these shows on ChristmasPodcastNetwork.com. There's Christmas Past, Tis the Podcast, Weird Christmas, Deck the Hallmark, It's a 90s Christmas Podcast, Hallmark and Jess, Can't Wait for Christmas, Tinsel Tunes, Christmas Creeps. They're phenomenal, so please give them a listen. And you can find this show year-round at adventcalendar.house. I don't have a Patreon. Don't threaten me with extra work. And I hope to be back sooner than you think with another show about another holiday. But for now, this is Mike Westfall saying, only one more sleep till Christmas. Christmas with you. Oh, oh, oh.
that the long one. Oh.